Human beings have been sharing stories for hundreds of thousands of years. And with those stories came the emotional, spiritual, and physical knowledge of the ancients. Shaman Durek, a sixth generation shaman and best selling author of Spirit Hacking, bridges the gap between science and spirituality and brings us back to our roots. He's here to bring forth the ancient wisdom of our elders, to help heal and bring happiness into our modern society. The time has come to end codependency and put the power back into people's hands. Welcome to the tribe. What is the shaman school? No. You're not going to be studying to pursue a career in shamanism or to bang a drum. The definition of shamanism is one who understands relationship. The shaman school offering reminds you how to have a better relationship with things and how to nurture these relationships, whether it be with yourself, the food you eat, the people you meet, your ancestry, community, the global community, animals, nature, and so forth. My goal is to demystify spirituality, to add a bit of science and understanding of how things operate in the energetic planes. The Shaman School's no-nonsense teaching explores all faculties of experience, from the physical, the emotional range, the mental capacity for information, dialogue, lexicon, energy, perception, awareness, how to understand the energy of currency, and so much more. Fundamental education teaches the basics that we need in society, how to read, write, add, subtract, pay our bills, or how to become doctors, artists, mechanics, etc. But the Shaman School is a school that we all should have been a part of, one that offers the additional tools needed to better understand who we are, why we think the way we do, what's going on behind the scenes, and what we are actually seeing and processing. Are you living well? Are you paying bills just to keep the roof over your head? Are you in a relationship but not fulfilled? Satisfaction cannot be lowered anymore by the inability to recognize possibility. Living well means fulfilling your ideas and your goals and your dreams and having the best time doing it. In the Shaman School, I have extracted the best from all of the world philosophies, religions, spiritual teachings, and theories, offering a juice without pulp that will empower your life. The Shaman School invites you to a world where you're able to seize the tools of understanding, where you're able to have fun and have more because you deserve more. Go to shamandurek.com and click on the Shaman School for the first step toward ultimate happiness and an understanding of your truest self. Let's make things easier and not harder for our life. We deserve that. See you soon. Hello tribe, welcome to Ancient Wisdom Today podcast and anyone who hasn't told you how loved you are, how embraced you are and how beautiful you are and how happy I am that you are on this planet and just completely powerful being, well, let me be the first. I love you, I see you, I know you, I remember you and I'm very happy that you're on this planet and that we came together to be here to literally take it to a whole nother level. Level. 
level up. So as we, you know, continue on our soul journey of life, right, we see the energies that are shifting right now on the planet. And I talk a lot about this and I'm going to be keep talking about this until we really begin to fine tune ourselves to these frequencies that are showing up right now. And so the frequency that's showing up right now and really need you to pay attention to this one is people wanting to hook you into their drama. Now, Look, there's nothing wrong with helping a friend or a family member or someone that you know that you know that you know of or that you're close to or either or. But there is a problem when it comes to someone hooking you into their drama so that they can actually bring their drama to a truthful place of what they feel is validated. Meaning that the moment you get hooked into their drama, you're actually validating their drama as for a reason to exist and be. And the key element for us is to be able to clean up the energy on earth that we're experiencing so that we can kind of move ourselves out of the drama by diminishing the drama and eliminating the drama on planet earth now what is drama drama is anything where the person isn't really seeking resolution they're not seeking refinement they're not seeking solution to the pollution what they're doing is they're looking for someone they can tell their story to to pass on the negative currents of frequencies they don't even realize that they have been a servant to the underworld a servant to energies in the matrix that are keeping the projected energy of fear lack limitation and scarcity alive in consciousness that means that their job is to do only one thing which is to deliver more of the negativity to another person so that person can deliver it to another person and that person can deliver it to another person. And before you know it, you have a bunch of male women and male men delivering a bunch of packages that have nothing good in them. They're not even worth opening. Don't even get the scissors or the knives or however you open your packages. Don't like, just don't even just put like, you know, return to sender, you know? (laughs) So the key element is, is to see that this, energy right now is coming on strong. And the reason why is because there's a lot of people on the planet who are still being programmed by the matrix. That being said, if they're being programmed by the matrix, it means that they are still being held in the field of fear. And the matrix uses the virus of fear to infiltrate people in their minds to become a little bit more what I would call zombified and they zombify their minds to get them to become servants or agents of lower frequency and density and darkness and, and discord and destruction and chaos and arguments and you know entanglement and all these type of things that would cause any form of you know distraction and limitation within society and individually and collectively and that then slows the process of us moving into that beautiful place of remembering how we actually transverse into 5d consciousness of pure unconditional love for the sake of love and we go into the perils of suffering and you know and war and discord and distrust and all these disses that we don't really need to diss the disease the distrust the, the you know the destruction, I mean, you name it, right? And so 
the key element in this is to be able to recognize when you're being hooked. And most people are very clever at hooking you. So how do you know you're being hooked? Well, the first key to look for is the, the type of conversation that's coming up around that person and what they're speaking about. Are they speaking in the intelligent way of explaining a story to you about how they're triumphing or how they need your support to triumph because they're very close to figuring out how to move it into a place of love and enlightenment and higher level consciousness? Or are they telling you a story or getting you involved in a story or telling or sharing something with you, which we all call gossip when they're talking about other people, to hook you into the emotional energies that create drama. So those emotional energies are what? Fear, a lack, scarcity, anger, frustration, annoyance, shock, and so many others. But I gave you quite a bit so you can kind of play along with that within your mind of like, oh yeah, that's so crazy. Why would my mom or dad or my friend tell me about that situation if it wasn't supporting me to feel enlightened and powered and loved and supported and feel triumphant and expanded and radiant and just completely brilliant in my geniusness and in the love that I represent as an ambassador, as a lit leader of legacy? It doesn't. The purpose is, is that they've been hooked and now their job is to go out and find more people to hook. It's kind of like this pyramid scheme, right? So the pyramid scheme is like the ones on top, which you don't see because you can't see them because they exist in another realm, are communicating to the ones a little bit on top, which are what you call your government and your system of people who think they're actually making laws that are supporting the people when in fact it's only just basically depleting the people. And then you have the followers of that system who believe that actually things are going to change so they get like righteous and indignant and like holier than thou and high mighty that they have to like support whoever these politicians and government people are whoever's like making these rules they have to say well this is the way of better life they don't even realize that they're actually a part of that whole entire hierarchy of that pyramid scheme because they've been programmed into the idea that this person actually is going to fix everything but one person can't fix everything it doesn't work that way right it takes a tribe to fix everything. And that means that it takes a bunch of people who believe in a vision collectively and are resourcing love as an intention and action in order to create real change. So only thing that they're actually doing is just basically saying things and getting people hyped. And the hype makes people excited that things are going to change, but they don't really change completely because the system doesn't want them to change. That's why the system wanted them to be in a position of power so that they can just be a talking head, just like certain people will be talking heads on Instagram and certain people will be talking heads on Facebook and there's just talking heads but a real person who actually makes change is one who interfaces connections with society in a way that's real authentic and loving and supportive that teaches people how to be independent not codependent I'm going to say it again independent not what codependent exactly so going back to what I was saying Then you have the people up there. Then you have the people underneath who are like, well, I'm going to support these people and I'm going to support the people above them and I'm going to use my money and my resources to do so because I'm just feeling like that's the way it's supposed to be because it's going to give me some sense of security, which is hilarious because security isn't based upon you supporting a person or a belief system or some kind of bill that's going to pass. Security is based on the fact that everyone is able to be secure because they have sustainability and that sustainability creates security for you because that means that no one has to take from you because they have what they need. I mean, that's just 
just common sense. Like you have a tribe of people, you have one person who has a lot. Okay, that person wants to feel secure in what they have. Well, that person can't be secure in what they have if they're not willing to share it with the rest of the members of the tribe so that they can get secure and abundant and prosperous. So that as they become abundant and prosperous, there's no need to keep taking from the person who has so much. So then that way everyone is rising together. Everyone feels happy. Everyone feels healthy. Everyone feels good. And the vibe is lit. And all, I mean, you got a rocking tribe right there. I mean, that's the kind of tribe you want to be. It's like, who what a hiyada, who what a hiyada, hiyada, who what a ha ha ha. Right? That's the tribe because that's what they're going to be doing. They're going to be dancing and singing and laughing and having fun and not even tripping off of lack, limitation, fear, or any of these energies, discord, you name it, because people in the tribe are going to be supportive of each other because they are able to be filled and lifted and so forth. But a person who has scarcity, a person who has fear, a person who has lack, they're operating in that place. I mean, if you look at some of the greatest wars, why did those people involve themselves in those wars? Because the dictator or whoever was speaking, if it was Stalin, if it was Hitler, all they kept doing was pounding in and and stabbing and, and knifing in on their already wounded self that was there. Like their wound was already there. And all they did was like, oh, all I gotta do is keep poking this wound. And eventually they're gonna see that I'm gonna tell them that the reason why you have this wound is because of this person or that person or this situation or this society. And they're gonna do exactly what I want them to do because they don't want that wound poked anymore. And they wanna heal that pain and they feel like to heal that pain and come out of their suffering that they're in and it, for whatever reason they're in it is going to be easily accomplished if they just kind of like shut off their humanity and go and kill a bunch of people in the most horrific ways. Now, is that the smart way to go? Absolutely not. However, the key is, is that the reason why that happens is because people are being completely hooked into something that they feel like is something good, but it's really not. Like when you go see a friend and they hook you into their horrible stories of what's happening in their relationships in their life. But again, they don't really want the solution of how to deal with it. They just want to have someone they can complain to and talk to. Meanwhile, you're taking in all this darkness, all this energy. Energy, all this muck and this stuff, like, ugh, right? Garbage. And then they're going like, thank you. I feel so good now. I feel so amazing. Thank you for having this lunch with me. You just basically ate an arugula salad with a bunch of garbage in it. Like literally, like you could have just went in the trash can in the back of the restaurant and just dug in in the old salad and ate the garbage in the trash with the salad because that's basically what you did. The only difference is you were eating arugula and breathing in in your ears and your eyes and your mouth and every other aspect of your being. And who else knows what else your being was taking in from them energetically? speaking because you chose to involve yourself by getting hooked into a situation the moment you feel the hook you have to immediately go into engagement which is you feel the hook okay you want my help? Okay. Is this something you really want to get over? Do you really want to create a great relationship for yourself? Do you really want to live your best life? Do you really want to have more money? Do you really want to have more prosperity? Do you really want to have good health? Do you really want to do these things? Okay, let's talk about how those things can be achieved. I don't want to talk about your, your sad stories because, you know, there's enough sad stories in the world. I can easily go and read a book. I can go on TV and look at some sad stories. I can just basically go anywhere in the world and ask someone to tell me something horrible that's happening in the world and I can get a mouthful, right? Or should I say an earful? mouthful no earful because they were speaking out of their mouth and going in my ear that's a little interesting thing anyway the point i'm making is this if we are operating on the idea of moving ourselves forward in evolution evolution cannot move forward as long as people are continuing to create more hooks for people to go back into the suffering the proverbial understanding of the the wheel of suffering that we hear so much about in a lot of cultures like they're stuck in the wheel of karma the wheel of suffering well 
The reason why it's a will is because the whole idea of it is that the matrix needs you to bring out a lot of these different people to go around and hook as many people as possible into a suffering field. That means that they go into a field of energy, right? Which is a frequency that keeps them in a place of suffering. And then they use that energy as we call it as a conglomerate, which basically I call the mob, right? And then the mob goes and tells other people, you should be angry. You should be upset. Look at what's happening. And then they get more people to join their team. Now, what kind of team are they on? Is it a losing team? Absolutely. Because that team was not meant to win from the very beginning. The moment they got hooked into the moment they built their whole conglomerate and built their mob and started recruiting more people to their mob, that team is a losing team because that team is actually a destructive team creating us to go backwards in evolution because we're being held and stuck in these old paradigms that aren't really allowing us to move forward. Why? because they think they feel righteous in what they're doing. They actually think they're creating change. They really believe that they're making a difference. But the thing is, the matrix knows that they're not. The matrix knows that all they have to do is keep perpetuating that energy. And what they're doing is they're connecting to every type of energy that is in lower density, being poured into each person who's in that mob. And that is then spewing out to their children, to their friends, to their family, to their acquaintances, to the people they meet on the street. And then you've got all these toxic people walking around. And you become zombie land. I know zombie land was a TV show, but I'm using it for the sake of really giving you the information in some very interesting way. So, okay, they get zombified. That's a better way, okay? They get zombified. They become these zombies, right? These, like, I call it these really destructive zombies that are walking around. They look like your friends. They look like your family members. They look like the person you're dating. But the moment they open their mouth, you know who they're serving. You know who they're serving and you know what purpose they have. They will tell you their purpose is to change the world. They can tell you their purpose is to make change in life. They can tell you their purpose is to bring love and light. But in truth, they're here to bring doomsday consciousness. They're here to bring the energy of lack, limitation, and fear. Because every time you go to bring something that of high intention, high value, high vision, high love, high experience, they're ready to bring in some low density, fear-based stuff, scarcity-based stuff, not enough stuff. This thing is not good enough. That thing's not good enough. And this thing happened. And did you know this thing happened over here? And this could happen to you too. And this and this and this. And why aren't you doing this? And then the guilt energy comes in. The shame and blame comes in. And before you know it, you realize, oh my God, this person is not who I thought they were. I thought they were my lover. I thought they were my friend. I thought that was my neighbor. I thought that was, you know, a family member. But I realized they have been zombified. And the only way you can... And the zombification that's happening on the planet right now is by not engaging and getting hooked, but by actually drawing into those zombies like confrontation. Now, confrontation doesn't mean you argue with them or you bicker with them or you create some kind of weird quantum entangled war with them by trying to like prove yourself right to them. There's no need to prove yourself right at all. What you simply do is just call their bluff. It's like, are you really wanting to get out of this relationship? Do you really want to improve your life? Do you really want to make more money? Because just by you talking right now, you're going the opposite way. So do you really want my help? Because I'm here to help you, but I'm not here to play the pity party. Because the pity party is not the lady party. And let me tell you, there's no room on the lit train for pity party people. Okay, We don't have a caboose where it's like everyone's partying and dancing into all these amazing music and laughing and celebrating and shouting and having the best time in their life because they're transmitting all this powerful energy to themselves in the, in the physical world that they're dedicating powerful energies to in the spiritual world by riding the lit train. We don't have a caboose on the lit train for a pity party. 
It's either the lady party or you're not on the train. It's that simple. Choo-choo. So the point is, is that if we're going to operate in a place where we really want to see change on the planet, we have to start educating people about these people who are going around the world as zombified people who look like your friends, talk like your friends most of the time, talk like your lovers sometimes, not all the time, but anyone who is trying to bring down the vibe. And and you look, I'm going to be honest with you. If you're going to bring down the vibe and you're around me, right? Like literally I'm going to shut you down. I'm going to shut you down because I'm going to throw in your face. Like, do you not like life? Do you not want to have a good life? Do you not want to feel joy? Do you not want to be happy? Because what you're doing right now is going against all of that. So if you said yes to me, then why are you saying these things? That I'm going to call you out. I'm going to call your bluff. And if I do the same thing, that means I don't want... Because, you know, zombies can be created out of people who are very highly intellectual, spiritual beings because they get caught up in it. And so if you see me get caught up, if you see me going like... And all of a sudden, everything spewing out of my mouth is like all this like lack limitation and all these other things. It's one thing if I'm sharing with you like things that the possibility of things so we can avoid them. But it's another thing if I'm like the whole world's going to end by tomorrow and there's nothing we can do and it's a lost cause and da da da. You definitely know I've been zombified. And if I have been zombified, check my shit really quick, please. Because at the end of the day, I don't want to be a person sitting back who's a zombie and I have friends who know I'm a zombie and you know I'm a zombie and you won't actually create confrontation. Confrontation is necessary to heal me out of zombification. And that, and it doesn't heal me by you healing me. It makes me actually have to heal myself. And what it does is it makes me not be able to bring that poison on to another person or those lies or those deceptions on to another person by whatever story I choose to tell them, whatever hook I choose to hook them into. But literally, it makes me confront the information that they're saying to me. So if a friend's coming to me and saying, hey, I want money, but you know, I keep losing jobs and this and that and the other, and I don't feel like money's going to come to me, I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. I just got a question for you. Do you want to make money? It's like, yeah, well, then why do you talk so negative about it? Because if I was money and I was like this money and I'm walking around the earth, I'm like, hey, yo, you guys, I'm money. And all of a sudden I'm like, wait, you talking bad about me? You're talking bad about me? You think I'm this? You think I'm evil? You think I'm the root of evil? You think I'm a bad, you think I'm a bad thing because you think I make people corrupt? I don't want to be in any of your lives. I want to be with the person who sees me as a value who loves me, who wants to be with me, who wants to share me with all of their friends and family so I can bring more beautiful things into their lives. I don't want to hang out with you naysayers, you negative people, you people talking to me saying I'm a corruption to the world and all this kind of stuff. I'm not hanging out with you. I mean, that's, you know, that's if money could talk, right? And then the funny thing is money can talk. But the thing is, what I'm saying is I would ask that person, do you really want money? Do you really want to have a prosperous life? Because every time you open your mouth, you're talking about lack. And every time you open your mouth, you're talking about scarcity. And every time you open your mouth, you're saying there's not enough, or you're not good enough, or this is not enough, or that's not enough. So I'm going to call you out. I'm going to confrontation you. I'm going to bring some confrontation to your playground, okay? And here's the confrontation. I am the blip on the screen that is here to upset the system. I am the anomaly. I am the, I am the Neo. I am the thing that's come to find the weakness in the matrix to take it down. I am the one who's come to be a glitch in your program. I am the one who's come to actually be a disruptor into your intrusion. You understand? That's who I am. Okay. And that's who you are as a leader of legacy. We're not here to play any games anymore. So we're not going to get hooked. The hook ends today. So from this day forth, I want you to pay attention and see the people around you who have been zombified and just bless them and then confront them. 
And if they can't handle the confrontation, then let them be. But don't fight with them. Don't argue with them. Don't bicker with them. And most importantly, don't go into their nonsense. It's time to heal the zombies of the world tribe. We have the power to do so. So notice the hooks, notice the traps. Don't get caught in them. Stay in your power. Know who you are and represent leaders of legacy. Love you. Hey, Tribe. So the Tribe wants to hear from you. And I know a lot of you are talented out there in music and poetry and recipes and ideas and just, you know, things that you want to share with the Tribe. You can send that information to info at shamandurek.com and share your gifts with the Tribe. Love you all and stay lit. Hey, tribe, we have an amazing uh, share, tribal share from a tribe member. Uh, the song is called 17 I'm Alive by Mike Pie. You can follow Mike Pie at Instagram at M I C P Y E, or you can also follow Christian Elemician, and that's at C H R I S T I N E E L M A S S I A N on IG. Enjoy. Don't work out for me 
just gon' really make them mad. Hey Tribe, we're going to take a short break to hear from one of our amazing sponsors, who is Lit Verified. The Lit Verified store is open. But what does Lit Verified mean? Lit Verified is an acknowledgement and stamp of approval by the tribe. I have tried each of these products and they are the best. Lit Verified products vary from beauty, technology, clothing, food, health, and wellness, and anything that is ethically sourced, organic, maintained, and sustainable. Not every product offered to the team passes the Lit Verified test. No, not at all. Every Lit Verified product is carefully researched. Every CEO has been met with. Every ingredient carefully looked into the process production of all of it. I have seen the impact these vendors are making. Their vision and ethics are aligned with our tribe, with people who are consciously supporting community and want to make a difference in our world and make it a better place for us. Lit Verified products are ethically sourced and meet the highest industry standards. When purchasing Lit Verified products, we give back by creating sustainability and by leading the world to make better choices. 
You can be confident that you're buying into a company that supports a vision for change, not just a company that wants to line their pockets with money. We live in a time where we are oversaturated by commercials, TV, and social media, where far too many celebrities and influencers are endorsing things they know nothing about and things they might be doing damage to people, to the earth, and to animals. With Lit Verified, we've taken that doubt out of the equation. You're not only getting the best, but you're also doing the best. Pick up your awesome Lit Verified items at shamandurek.com and click on the link that takes you to Lit Verified. Love well, tribe. All right, tribe. Time to hear from our special guest. Hi, everyone. This is Shaman Durek, and welcome to Ancient Wisdom Today podcast. I am super happy that you're on the planet, and I love you all so much. And it means so much that you are here to share in love and bounty and spirit and joy and laughter and mirth and just being free and celebrating all the time your liberation, just accelerating and celebrating because liberation is the key for us to be able to truly witness our spirit in its truest form without any kind of limitations or hesitation or any kind of pressure, but where we get to live our highest truth. And that's what it's about being a part of this tribe and being a Liddy Committee and a lit leader of legacy. And on top of that, you know, we're always talking about the Liddy Committee. We also talk about the Itsy Bitsy Liddy Committee. And that's for all your children who are stepping in alignment with all of the love and the energy and the healing and the transformation and really honing your power and being who you are. And so one, I really want to present to you today who's in studio to share to and about children being able to step into becoming their itsy bitsy litty committee is the amazing emily fletcher she is the founder of ziva meditation and the leading expert in meditation for performance she has taught over forty thousand people the skill of meditation and she is an international speaker and author her best-selling book stress less accomplish more debuted at number seven out of all books on amazon and has been translated into 12 languages. She's also been on the New York Times, Good Morning America, and Today's Show, and many other outlets of media. Is share her love, her knowledge, and her inspiration to getting us back to ourselves and reminding us that the key to true liberation is being with the self and going within. And for her today to share about the love of children that she's created, this new understanding of what it means to bring children in Ziva kids and teaching them how to bring the same techniques that she shared with people all over the world into the itsy bitty litty committee of our kids. So I'm so happy to have her here with us today. Welcome, Emily. Oh my gosh, what an intro. I can feel your passion. I can feel your love. And I am so happy to see your beautiful face and to be here. Thank you. I am happy that you're here too. It's always a pleasure to see you. So tell me about this journey because we know that, you know, we, we talked about before about the meditations that you've done for adults and bringing that into that space. Yeah. So now what has transpired? Because right now there is a depletion for kids. We know that. We know yeah. that on earth, that there, there's not enough of children getting the information on how these things can benefit them, starting them off at a younger year through their developmental years and being able to recognize how they can begin 
to incorporate these techniques for reducing stress, you know, dealing with anxiety and so much more. So you created Ziva Kids. Tell me about it. Yeah. So I like to say that we meditate to get good at life, not to get good at meditation, because at the end of the day, no one cares what style you're practicing, how many or few thoughts you're having. Do you have fancy fingers? How erect is your spine? No one cares. What people care about is, are you kind? Are you present? Are you creative? Are you healthy? How's your sex drive? How's your joy? How good are you at your job? How much are you contributing to society? And that's why I've been teaching adults for 10 years now. And, And for 10 years, people have been asking me, like, Emily, I really want to share this with my son my daughter, can I teach my kids? You know, what do I do? And I was like, they're like, can you please make a kid's course? I was like, no, 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 not me. I'm good at teaching fancy pants adults. Teaching kids is its own skill. And I don't know if I'm that good at it. And so I was just like, no, 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 no. And then I had a son and uh, he's two and a half now. He's amazing. And I got it. I was like, oh, Now I know what it feels like to have your heart living outside of your body. I know how much pain I experience when he is suffering or stressed or in pain. And and so I watched myself, me, having meditated for 12 years, having taught so many people. And when he's in pain, my first instinct is to try and stop it. You know, I'm just like, I just want to make it better. I just want to quote unquote fix it. And I was like, whoa, if I'm having this impulse having studied this stuff for so long, like what is someone who's at a nine out of 10 on the stress scale, how are they supposed to handle their kid's stress without either acting out or their kid having to sort of prematurely be the adult to handle their parents' stress? So anyway, long story short, once I had a kid, I was like, all right, I don't have to be the best kid's teacher in the world. I'll find the best kid's teachers in the world. And so I started working with folks from Sesame Street and Harvard and Dr. Shafali, who is Oprah's parenting expert. And we really got this mod squad together and we created this beautiful program that is so entertaining. It's so fun. And it's secretly teaching kids mindfulness, meditation, and manifesting so that they can hold on to their authentic selves. So they don't you know, morph themselves into this patriarchal meritocracy, you know, striving system that we've created and then have to spend their whole adult lives coming back to their true authentic self. So that's my goal. One, to keep kids connected to their authenticity and two, dream case is that we equip an entire generation of kids with the ability to feel and process their emotions, which is very different than what most of us were taught. Yeah, feel and processing emotions has definitely been something that we have been lacking on this planet as far as emotional intelligence is concerned. And I think that a lot of the things that I see in children is that they're put into these institutions, they're put into uh, media and they're given cell phones and computers and all of video games and all these different things that literally are giving them more levels of anxiety and stress because they're wanting to meet the standards and the ideas that they see because things are much more faster and much more complex than it was when I was a kid. So I can only imagine not being able to to have this level of knowledge and information to help me to process all the things that are coming at me light speed. When I was a kid, we didn't have that much. We, we went out in nature, we made up our games, we made, we made our fun, we came home before the lights went out and then, you know, and we ate our food and went to bed. Now you have social media, you have all these different things that kids have to do, TikTok. And I mean, the list goes on and on. I mean, it's, it's absolutely wild when I watch the, my 
my bonus daughters and what they go through as kids and to them and listening to them in and out of how they handle the stress at school, how they handle the peer pressure, how they handle the styles and all the things that they feel that they have to be on top of. Yeah. Do you feel like, like with the understanding of what you've created, have you seen some of the improvements in your own case study with children that you've given this method to? Yes. So there was one mom who wrote in and she said that her son has not slept in his own bed through the night for 10 years, that every night for 10 years, he's gotten up because he'll either have nightmares or stress or anxiety will wake him up. And then he'd go and sleep in his bed with his mom. And at this point, he was only three days into the training, but she said for three days in a row, for the first time in 10 years, he slept through the night in his own bed. He was not being woken up by nightmares. He was not being woken up by stress. Mm. And I think the thing that parents are most surprised about right now is they're like, oh my gosh, my kid is actually meditating. Like they're actually doing it on their own. Because of course, like you watch a video, it's entertaining. I have a puppet co-star. His name is Z Bunny. He's hilarious. That's we, we, you know, created him with the folks from Sesame Street and he's really entertaining. So, okay, fine. It's okay to get a kid to watch a video, but then are they actually going to do it afterwards? And at Ziva, what I'm really big on is self-sufficiency. So that I'm, we're not tethering our children to a cell phone in order for them to meditate. Because to me, meditation apps is like having an AA meeting in a liquor store. Like, why would you want to go into the belly of the beast to meditate? Right? And so, oh, I can't, I can't with you sometimes. <laughs> but it's true. It's like, to your point, it's like half of what is stressing our children out is social media and technology and TikTok and Zoom school. And so it's like, yes, I'm using technology just to teach the kids the tools, but then afterwards they can go to their internal screen instead of being dependent on an external screen. And that's the whole gig with any spiritual practice. Can I be self-referral for my happiness versus externally referral for my happiness? Am I waiting for the boyfriend and the A in the school and the A in the class and the perfect college in order for me to be happy? Or can I realize that I'm already enough? Can I create my own bravery, my own creativity, my own kindness internally? And that's really what we teach in the course. Like, yes, it's a meditation training, but really we're teaching kids how to unlock their own superpowers of bravery, creativity, and kindness. Do you feel that parents who give their children technology without any type of restraints or any type of of structure, I would say, you know, really does play an integral role in how they're developing stress and anxiety. What are your thoughts on that? Well, my thoughts are that right now we're in an extraordinary times and I never want to make more stress for parents who are using, who have to use technology as a babysitter because they themselves are working at home. And and so I think that if you're in survival mode and you don't have a partner or childcare, then you got to do what you got to do right now. And so I don't want to scare people or stress people out more than they already are. But the science is in. Technology is not good for any of our brains, certainly not for children's brains. So just the screen alone changes you know, the way the pineal gland works. It changes the way the brain develops. And just from looking at my own son, he's only two and a half. So we give him very, very little technology. But even if he watches like a two minute, like he's obsessed with cars and trucks. And if he watches like a two minute video on dump trucks, 
It's like the addiction happens immediately. And the second we take it away, he will get violent. And my son is like the happiest, nicest, sweetest kid. Like he is a ray of sunshine beaming out of every cell of his body pretty much 24 hours a day until I take away the phone. And it's like, whoa. And it's like, you can't give somebody a little bit of meth and then wonder why they're mad when you take it away. And like, that's on us. I'm just going to keep making drug analogies. I love the drug analogies. I know those days. I know those parties. (laughs) (laughs) It's hilarious. But yeah, it's so true. It's very true. But, you know, I think because I think, you know, what I see is I feel like, you know, with where we are in the sign of times in our evolution, right, the system is building technology as a way for us to conduct ourselves. It's adding more and more technology into everything we do and taking us further and further away from nature and further away from our natural abilities to maintain a sense of equilibrium and homeostasis and making us more dependent upon chemicals, technology, and stimulation. Um, When it comes to the Ziva kids, Mm -hmm. you know, how does that program support the idea of creating a new structure of what it what we say inner balance or inner well-being on a greater level for kids who have been disfranchised kids who come from you know abusive homes kids who have you know either been living in foster care or having difficulty in life is this program reachable to those children and do you have a bigger vision for ziva kids on a global level Yes. Thank you so much for asking this. So it's the the course is brand new. Like we just came out a few weeks ago. And so right now we're figuring out like, you know, who's our audience, who's purchasing this. And, and the reality is it's largely going to be rich white women who are going to want this and afford this right now. And that's largely who's on my list. It's who's in the Ziva community. So we're going to start there. And I have no intention of staying there. So it was interesting because like right when the first course first came out, Um, People were asking, like, you know, do you have scholarships? Can I get a scholarship? Can I get this for free? Can I get a scholarship? And I was like, whoa, this is going to happen hot and heavy. And I was like, I need a donor. Like, I need a private donor or a corporate donor that will allow me to get the properly trained staff that that are trained in trauma response therapy, that are trained in child psychology, so that I can start to give this to the communities who really need it the most and not the who has a mom who's, like, vegan yogi, been meditating for 20 years. I mean, they need it too, but likely not as much as someone who has a single parent who's addicted to drugs and hasn't had nourishing foods their whole life. They're going to need it more. So anyway, I said out loud, I was like, I need a donor to help me, you know, get the right people on staff so that I can get this into the communities that I want to. Within an hour and a half, within an hour and a half, I had a text message from one of my private clients. It was like, Emily, I want to be an anonymous donor so they get this into underprivileged schools. And I was like, thank you. Thank you. So it's just a beautiful example of like the clearer you are in your intention, you say it out loud, like nature's ready to meet that need if your intentions are pure. And so I just had a meeting two days ago where we're just going to try and get to the Boys and Girls Club because that's already an established organization. That's something that families have been relying on for decades to be the intermediary between school ending and mom gets off of work or dad gets off of work. And so if we can partner with an organization like that, that already is in so many different types of communities, I think that that's going to be our step one. Yeah. I think it's important because when I, you know, I think about it from 
the perspective of a lot of times what I see in society is that a lot of the wellness and everything that's available is always for the rich white person. And there's like Latin community, there's Indian community, there's melanated communities that are seeking for this type of information and, and being able to see a platform create a space that invites all people so that they're all the kids are benefiting from it and not just always the white kids in the white neighborhoods because we it, this is something that you know I think is something is really dear to me and important to me you know because I grew up you know, with a father who happened to be a multimillionaire. So I was given a lot of the privileges that a lot of my friends who were white had. But I also was friends with the kids who didn't have that type of upbringing. And I remember I would bring them into my life and share the things with them that was available to me through that through that resource. So it's I'm really glad to hear that you are resourcing ways to create that. And I just want to um, give you your flowers and acknowledge you for um, for doing that. That's really- well, I'll take them when. And I've done it. So right now it's good intentions and the road to hell is paved with good intentions. So I'll receive the flowers once I've done it. Still, because we still mm-hmm. must acknowledge the fact that you're even thinking about it because mm-hmm. that in itself deserves acknowledgement because some people don't even consider it. Mm, thanks. I think it's important. In the near term, just to tell you some steps that we're taking. Um, so I've just interviewed like a few of my friends and a few um, people who have like very diverse communities and they're, and we're just doing an exchange where it's like, Hey, can you have your friends and families, your neighbors move through Ziva kids? If they like it, would they be willing to give testimonials to say what their experience was? Because inside of Ziva kids, there's two separate courses. There's one for four to eight year olds. And then there's one for nine to 14 year olds. And specifically with nine to 14 year olds, that's a very social communal age. Like they don't care what a 41 year old white lady is going to say to them. Like they want to know if their friends, if people who look like them and people who think like them and act like them are into this thing as well. And so they rely on other, on like the most social proof, like peer proof. And so in Ziva Kids and the younger one, Z Bunny, the puppet is my co-star, but in the older one, it's really the preteens that are my co-stars. Like I'm teaching through their stories, through their experiences. And right now it's largely white, the kids that are in there. And so I'm going to reshoot, we're just going to re-edit it once we have a more diverse group of folks, which is like another, before I even put it in the Boys and Girls Club, I wanted to make sure that anyone in this course can see someone that they relate to inside of it. I think that's beautiful. I'm glad you said that because that was one of my biggest things growing up as a kid was that every time I turned on the TV to look at any program, it was nothing that related to me. And it brought me into a deep, deep depression as a child, um, Mm -hmm. feeling like there's no place for me as a kid. But And the other kids have a place, but I have no place. And then when I would communicate to my other friends who were also melanated, they felt the deep depression as well, too. And so it's nice to hear that because it's important for us to be able to find ways to structure things that support the global community and that we all start being able to grow so that all of our kids feel that they're um, a part of a bigger picture of, you know, creating a new understanding of what it means to to be on planet Earth. How are Ziva courses different from what is offered through mindful apps, my love? Tell us uh, more about the Ziva Kids offering that and that's different from the other mindful apps that we see. Yeah. So I think in this day and age, when people say, do you meditate or what meditation do you practice? Do you do? Most people think, well, which free app are you talking about? You know, is it Calm or Headspace? And I think that we all owe a debt of gratitude to those apps because they've really made meditation so accessible. And I think it's like a hundred million people have downloaded one of those two apps. So I, I think I want to applaud those organizations and say, yes, yes, yes. 
And I also want people to know that that's like a beautiful step one. That's a beautiful keep with the drugs. It's a beautiful gateway drug, right? And that it's a good, it's like a glass of water. And that Ziva is like jumping in the ocean because you are training yourself to become self-sufficient for your practice. So you're not dependent on music or gongs or someone else's timing or someone else guiding you through a visualization. Now there's power in all of that. But if someone else is guiding you through the whole time, you're staying in your left brain and your prefrontal cortex versus with Ziva, you're going beyond the thinking mind. You're going into the realm of being. And so your body is able to use its own innate intelligence to heal itself, just like we do in sleep. Like if someone were to be guiding you through sleep and being, okay, liver, now clean the blood. Okay, now skin, slough off. Okay, memories, go into the old part of the memory bank. And someone was guiding you through that, it would actually be keeping you from actually sleeping. And I don't think that that a lot of people realize that in certain guided meditations, quote unquote, that's what's happening. Yes, someone's guiding you through. Yes, you might feel better in the now, but that very guidance is robbing your body's innate healing capabilities of going into that deep restful state and running all of the reparation functions that it knows how to do. So that's really what we do at Ziva. We teach people how to meditate on their own. It's a very powerful style of meditation. So the Ziva technique is mindfulness. Yes, we use that as the appetizer. And then meditation. So this sort of like self-induced transcendence style where you're getting rest that's five times deeper than sleep. And then you're also releasing dopamine and serotonin, which are bliss chemicals. And from that state of connection and feeling good, then we start manifesting. Then we start, you know, asking for guidance from our higher self. We start setting our intentions for what we want to create. And from what I've found is that doing all three in one sitting, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. You know, it's like the return on investment becomes so much higher. And so, you know, and in both cases, in Ziva Online, which is for adults, and in Ziva Kids, yes, we're using technology, but it's not like, oh, just do a guided thing for seven days. It's a matriculation. Each training builds upon the previous day so that by the time you graduate, you have these tools to take with you for life. And that's what I'm interested in. Again, self-referral, go inside for the bliss. Absolutely. I, do, I believe that 100%. Do you feel that our traumas and our mental distress are positively affected by Ziva technique? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. And I base that on two things. One, I've taught now actually 50,000 people to meditate. And so I've seen in those first few days and weeks, people, they cry, they get nightmares, they get foggy, they're sad, they're tired. Like I see their bodies like ringing out. I can actually see and feel the stress coming out of their bodies. And, And that's not fun or enjoyable to go through. And that's really my job is to help people through it. But I've just, I've witnessed it literally 50,000 times. And so I know that that stuff leaving the body and then they feel better. It's not like, oh, I started meditating and now I feel like crap for the rest of my life because then no doctor would ever recommend that you do it. But it's like they move through the purging and the catharsis and then there's a lightness. Then there's a reconnection to to higher self or to their soul um, because they're not so you know, stuck in the old story. But um, for the kids program, I'll show you here. I have, I have props. I know we're just on audio, but I, these are our puppets. They're called the Stormies. So we have like the mad Stormy and this is the sad Stormy and these are these little clouds. Um, and the, this is how I sort of illustrate to the children that these emotions that we're feeling there's nothing wrong with them, right? That we don't have to be scared of the fear. We don't have to be mad about the anger. It's like you just feel them fully And then every storm runs out of rain. That's the Maya Angelou quote. 
right? Yes. Every storm runs out of rain. And so it's the same with our emotions. You might be feeling so mad right now. You're not going to be mad forever. And if you teach kids that it's okay to feel your feelings, the feelings are actually made for feeling. <laughs> then, And then what I teach the parents, because there's a parent training inside of the course as well. I teach the parents like, just sit there. Like, don't do anything. If your kid is freaking out, love them, be with them. I mean, I, you know, this word is overused this term, but hold space, right? Like create a safe container for your, I know I like roll my eyes, but it's, that's really what we got to teach the parents to do is like, just sit there, be safe, let your child feel the entirety of what they're feeling. And then when that storm has passed, which it will, you can then ask them, Hey, how would you like to feel right now? You know, I'd love to feel safe. I'd love to feel happy. I'd love to laugh. Okay. Can you think of any of the tools that we've learned in Ziva Kids that might help you get there? Mm. And so our job is just to, to sit, to hold, to love, and then to gently ask questions so that they can come to it on their own. What I would never want parents to do is to use Ziva Kids as a pain pill for their kid is in a, having a temper tantrum or overwhelmed and be like, well, just do your breathing. And it's like, no, because then we're skipping a step, right? Then we're teaching them spiritual bypass. Yeah. It's like, no, feel it, feel it fully. I, I got you. I'm here. You're safe. I love you. And then once that storm has passed, then they can go to their tools that they've learned in the course. I think that's very important that you're speaking about that because I feel like the world that we're living in right now has so many tumultuous things that are happening, you know, and so many changes that are taking place within children's lives, you know. Just recently, I was with my nephew and my nephew, for instance, you know, he's been going in and out of depression because he doesn't know what to do. And he plays piano. How old is he? He's uh, now he's just turned, I believe he's turning 15 now. Okay. And so what happens is I see that he is going in and out of these different states, you know? And so I've been, t I tell him like, you know, I think it'd be good that we do some kind of meditation or we do something that supports, you know, what's taking place in your life and what's happening. And he's like, I'm bored. You know, I haven't seen my friends in a long time. I'm being homeschooled. I don't have like, I'm always on a computer. I like constantly listening to my teacher. Like it's, it, it was, it's always this energy. And I think that it's important for us to realize that, you know, we don't know what's going to happen in the future. We have to be ready for anything that's thrown in our direction and be able to know how to shimmy and the shake and to do the tango as parents and be able to make the right choices so that we're able to, to move through these times and be able to thrive through them. So I think it's important for, for, for kids to get into that space. So my question to you is how can we encourage our children to meditate? Like, what do we feel the importance of teaching that emotional intelligence is? And why is it so important for parents to be able to start seeing this as a main functioning tool as according to everything else that they're doing as parents? Yeah, great question. And first, just to speak to your nephew and like, it's not natural what we're asking our kids to do right now, to ask a 15 year old boy to sit still for eight, nine, 10 hours a day and look at a screen and to work exclusively their left brain and then to not have physical interaction, to not have sports, to not make out with people, to not, you know, hunt in the woods and crawl in the dirt. Like kids are meant to be wild and in soil and climbing and fighting and playing. And so I think if we just acknowledge that what we're asking kids to do right now is nowhere near natural, 
And then if we can find any ways to help balance that out, even if it's one hour of wrestling in the dirt in the park with, with a parent or a friend, right? Like that's going to be better than just like, okay, now you're finished with school. Now you can play video games, more sitting, more screens, or, um, which I know is a way that a lot of kids are being social right now, but it's like, we're the parents, right? Like we have to force the outside time. If we, I mean, I don't, I hate that word force, but it's like, you're not going to just let your, your kid eat marshmallows all day, right? Like you would, you would be like, we need to eat some broccoli at some point. And so it's the same. We just can't not have outside time. We can't, you know, allow our kids to never be wild and ask them to sit down for eight hours and then be like, okay, now it's time to meditate, right? Because they're going to rebel. Like they have all this energy that wants to come out. And so how can we invite children to meditate? Well, just like you would train a puppy, you got to run the puppy out. Before you want to teach a puppy tricks, you got to go for a run. And then when they're tired, they know that you're the alpha. They're going to like, they want the treat, right? And so, but if they've not, been for a run, puppies are too spastic to learn anything. (laughs) So we got to run them out a little bit. So physical exercise is your friend when it comes to meditation and kids. And we actually built that into the program. So especially for the four to eight-year-olds, we start by shaking through the stormies. Like we have a whole theme song and it's like, shake, 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 get up, baby. And they shake through all the different parts of the body. And as you know, like shaking way to release trauma and tremoring, like yes. ways to get that stuff out of the cells. And then even with the preteens, I have them do an exercise called squeeze me, where they go through and squeeze and do like every pressure point in the body. It's like they're giving themselves a hug. And then we have them like pat their whole body, like a hundred high fives, I call it. And we're stimulating all those nerve endings. So even if they're not getting exercise, there's at least a little bit of movement to start. But then to your question, how do you inspire kids to meditate? Step one, clean your own house. Right? Like if you're not meditating, why on earth would you expect your children to meditate? But if they see you going from being in a bad mood to meditating, to having a lot more energy, or like mommy was sad and then she meditated and then she felt better, or mommy's, she yells less when she meditates. She's funnier when she meditates. Then we're planting those seeds every time we model that behavior. Have you ever heard of the Suzuki method in violin? The child is not even allowed to touch the violin until the parent learns how to play two songs. And it's like, because then they understand the complexity, they understand the difficulty and they can help guide the child better. So best case is that you have your own practice. Now that's not going to be the case for everyone. And so if that's not the case, I want to take the pressure off of parents. I don't want them to feel like they have to be meditation salespeople. So what I recommend is just play video one while they're coloring, while you're making dinner, while you're playing with dolls, like just play the video, like let me do the work for you. I've literally hired the world's best like the most entertaining, the every word of every sentence of every paragraph was looked at by multiple psychologists, doctors, and entertainers. And so like, I've done that work for you, just press play, right? And then just let them come to it. And they're like, oh, oh, that bunny's kind of cute. She's kind of funny. Oh, wait, that kid looks like me. Hey, maybe that's not so, oh, and also in the preteens, I name drop like you wouldn't believe. I'm like, Ariana Grande meditates. Did you know Steph Curry meditates? Hey, did you know this TikTok star is a meditator? <laughs> and I'm just name dropping like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> oh, I love that. That's brilliant. And that's, and also not just mothers, but dads too, because there's a lot of dads who are stay-at-home dads yeah. you know, and who are also more in the role of being in that very maternal part of their lives where the woman is out there being a boss lady and there's the dad who's at home taking care of the kids, you know? Yeah. So I think that's important for us to, to acknowledge that as well. Yes, but thank I, you. I, 
but I do enjoy that, um, you know, these, first of all, I love the whole clouds, the stormies. Yeah. I love them. You know, I'm like the biggest kid. So anything that's kid-like and I, if I connect to it, I know the kids will connect to it. Cause I'm like, when I come around children, children, me because I could do character. One of my mentors is Robin Williams. So I'm always about doing like voices and like playing and like, you know, telling jokes and stuff. And kids just love that side of me. And I used to teach kids gymnastics ages three and up to teenager. And my, all my classes were like when they would do their laps, I would play all the Disney songs like Pocahontas and, you know, and we would do everything based on having fun and playing. And like, so I love that. And I also like how you added that there's a shamanic things where you're shaking the body that's shamanic uh we use that in shamanism for morning exercises um the what you're talking about squeezing we we use that as well to get the blood flow to circulation and to like you know get the body to welcome the body to acknowledge the body and then the padding we do as well which is opening up the energies in the body and awakening the cells stimulating the system so that the electromagnetic frequencies and energies are very strong and it also grounds you into the earth which is very powerful so i love that that's in there because i love the representation it has for shamanism and i love that so how do you hope to continue to change lives and increase performance with ziva kids like what is your like we talked about a lot about like you know what your plan is but like what is the ultimate plan here for for ziva kids to take where, where what is the vision that where you're going with everything Mm-hmm. So, I mean, Magic Wand scenario is is truly like a whole generation of kids who can feel and process their emotions in real time. And that might sound like a simple goal, but that is not an easy goal. And I could make a very compelling argument that all of the world's problems come from our humans' inability to love themselves. And it's very hard to love yourself if you have not processed all your childhood trauma. And so I'm under no, like pie in the sky assumptions that just once you learn to meditate, your trauma stops, right? Like, of course, you're still going to have challenges. There will still be abusers and people will die and hunger and like all of that will still exist. But if you teach kids how to be resilient and how to process that trauma and to feel it in real time, it's just, it's going to, it will change the way their bodies metabolize stress. It will change the way their brains process and, and print new cells. It will change the formation of their brain. It will change their epigenetics. It will change what they pass down to future generations. So we cannot underestimate the power and the ripple effect of teaching children how to manage their stress. And you know, even the US government, you know, they were spending all this money teaching veterans to meditate, to handle PTSD and suicide prevention, but now they're very wisely reallocating those funds to teaching combat soldiers to meditate before they go into battle. Because it's much easier to create resilient children than it is to repair broken adults. And and so it's the same is true here. Like just what the military is doing, that's what I'm trying to do with children. Because I think about how much money and time and energy and healing most of us have done as adults to handle the stuff that we went through as children. Now, I'm not suggesting that nothing's going to happen. It will still shape you. It will still form your personality. But hopefully the scar won't cut as deep. It won't be as damaging. It will just be like, oh, that was a challenge. And I adapted. To your point, we shake, we shimmy, we adapt versus being paralyzed with that fight or flight sometimes for decades. 
Yeah, and going into that in, into that trauma pose of like just shutting down and so forth. And I love that too because with the whole understanding of like you know in ancient uh, times and also in the Native American culture, before the tribes had to go out and either go to hunt or they had to go to war with another tribe. Unfortunately, war which we don't want on our planet. They were taught to go into these ceremonial silence um, experiences where they would sit and be silent with each other for like a period of time to calm themselves. And then they would go and do these things. And a lot of cultures too, and same in African culture, a lot of tribes in Africa, for instance, in Kenya and Zulu tribe, and also in um, a lot of the uh, traditions that are existing in the Maori culture and so forth, there's a, there's a thing that's called the moment of sitting, which is a moment where before anything is to be done, before any action is to be taken, the tribe sits and basically stays in a place of just being, which is sitting with the earth. And it's really powerful because it helps the tribes be able to function at a higher level of what it means to resource and connect into that connectivity, but mm. also how each individual person is able to maintain their autonomy and collectively resource together in their power so that no one is codependent upon the other person from a place of not being able to, to create or to provide. So each person is feeling empowered. And as each person is empowered, they're able to create the, the balance for the tribe. And so it's really powerful. And it's so much we've lost that connection. You know, people get up in the morning, children get ready for school. There's not this moment of sitting. You know, there's it's, it's it's like you come home from school, you play video games, you you know, the kids go, OK, I'm hungry, I need to eat. OK, and now I'm going to television and now the parents are going to TV and they're not there's no one. There's no the sitting moment that they have. And even then, it's not really a sitting moment is sitting for dinner. And sometimes that doesn't even happen, because, as you know, in, in, in modern society, a lot of parents are checked out. They're on their phones, on their computers, and then kids are also on theirs and doing their thing. So my question to you is in like as parents you know because the way i am in in my home with 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 my bonus daughters well i'm very i'm not going to say i'm strict i just have a very strong understanding of what it means to really integrate and connect so we do a lot of we'll do meditations we'll do art projects together you know we'll go horseback ride together we go spend to have a picnic together as a family sugar days are called sugar saturdays it's the only day i allow sugar in the house and, um, and they have to choose and select what it is. And it can't be like a huge amount just because they're going crazy because they haven't had sugar all week. But, it, you know, to create a balance for them as girls. And then we also have moments where when we sit down, we put uh, things into a hat about conversations we want to talk about, things that we want to talk about. And then everyone on the table pulls something out of the hat and we open up a conversation about it, right? And, and my girlfriend and I, we facilitate it in this way because we want our home to be a holistic home that incorporates not always being on technology, you know? So we want there to be more interaction and more connection. What would you say is something that you feel from your knowledge and your expertise and your years of, of providing knowledge for people how to get into that very sitting meditation space 
that people can start incorporating in their lives with their kids to get them to to not be so much onto their devices and much more present in their life. Yeah. Well, first of all, I want to say, can I move in? That sounds so fun. I want to like have like draw out of a hat for conversations and go horseback riding. So like bravo to you and your girlfriend, because it's like, why on earth would we expect our kids to not be on their phones if we're always on ours? You know, and like, if you haven't made an environment that's more inviting and enticing and exciting than whatever it is they're doing on social media or in video games. And like, that's on you. Like if your house is boring, if there's not intimate connection, if your heart isn't open, you know, and like, I get it that you're dealing with a very strong addiction, but you also like, we're the ones in charge. Like we, until a kid is like 24 or something, their prefrontal cortex is not developed. And so we as parents have to be the executive function for children. So if they had 20, if they could eat 25 marshmallows, they're just going to eat 25 marshmallows. So we're the ones that have to say like, you know, we're going to do one on Saturdays <laughs> or, okay, yes, we're going to do this much video time or technology time. And then the challenge or the opportunity is to make exciting, connecting, fun, interactive, heart-opening, spiritual experiences, IRL, right? And that to me is like, well, that's that's an opportunity. And so this is what we did inside of the course is that we have these um, like coupon books. So especially for the little kids, like there's a sticker chart. So if you meditate three days in a row, you can get a coupon. And then all of the coupons are for offline activities. So it's a one song dance party. It's you get to choose what meal you want for dinner. It's go for a walk in the woods, make a cake with mom or dad, or, you know, so it's it's all offline rewards. And they're, they're meant to be as physical and as in nature as possible. So I don't know if that answered your question. Yeah, I think that's amazing. I think Mm -hmm. that's beautiful because I think it's important to have something like that. There's got to be incentives for kids to be able to feel like, because I think the biggest thing is like when I, you know, and I do a lot of stuff with kids. I I have kids that I train in shamanism um, from all ages. Like one of my kids just wrote me from Egypt was so excited and telling me how when he started training with me young and now he's a teenager and how it's completely changed his whole life and how he's able to read people and he can, his psychic powers are open, his intuition is open. He can do healing. He has all these different abilities, but he started really young with me. There's this little boy coming with his lunchbox to train with me in London and his parents, mom and dad would drop him off. And now he's on this whole other level, you know, and a lot of the kids that I started with are now teenagers and they're all, you know, telling me how it's just completely shifted the whole way they perceive the world. And like when all this stuff was happening with COVID, instead of them freaking out, they were just like, oh, okay, yeah, you know, I know how to handle this. Like they, they knew how to, to move in, into that space. Well, I so love something I'd love to just jump in here is that if you think about the time and energy that you put into training those kids and the time and energy that those kids put into learning those specific skills, working with energy, waking up psychic powers, communing with nature, it's likely the same amount of time and energy that they would have been dealing with anxiety or depression or recovery from trauma. So it's just a question of like, do you want to spend that time and energy creating superpowers or do you want to spend that time and energy healing from trauma that will happen from your inability to adapt? And But if the thing to know is that it's the same amount of time and energy. One is just more enjoyable. Beautifully said. That brings me to my final point, which is, why I think it's important and why I was so excited about having you here on Ancient Wisdom Today podcast to talk about uh, the Ziva kids. Because I think what you're doing, my love, and what you've created 
is so important as a technology and a resource for us to create kids who have the emotional intelligence, have the know-how on how to be able to handle stress and aggressive um, energies uh, that are affecting them emotionally or mentally, and be able to facilitate their own inner well-being so they can create a beautiful life for themselves. So I just wanted to just say thank you for always thinking about the people because that's what I, that's my whole thing in life. It's, it's always about the people. And I really appreciate you always thinking about the people and coming up with more unique and playful and fun and creative ways to get people to do what it should be naturally done, right? Yes. Yes. But hasn't been because of the way our system was built and yeah. you integrating it back into society. Yeah. So. And and that's what I found is like if you there is a window and if you can introduce these tools at an early age, it's just so much easier for the kids to maintain that connection, that authenticity versus if that window closes, then it's more work to try and reopen it. So there it's like take advantage of that window. While your kids are already in a meditative state, while they're naturally in a hypnotic state, let's teach them these tools because it's so much harder to teach later on. So thank you for seeing me. Thank you for all that you've been contributing and sharing over this very challenging year for people. And thank you for having me on. It's been such a delight. I am so honored. Thank you so much. So tell us how everything, how people can find you, how they can connect with you. And even for the adults who are listening, who haven't gotten into your, your Ziva meditation, they can, because I remember you said, Again, it goes back to the whole violin playing, right? It's that the parents have to start modeling this in their home if they want their children to start, you know, being it. So I think people should also, parents should start getting into yours. So tell us everything and how they- Yeah, so for parents or or any adult who wants to learn, I would love to offer um, a special discount for folks. We could do um, AWT, which will be easy. I'm sort of making this up. I'll tell my team right away. We could do 15% off of the adult training if people do AWT um, and that's Ziva online. So everything can be found at zivameditation.com, both the adult training and then the kids is for ages four to 14 and that's Ziva meditation com slash kids. And you get to choose a checkout, like which one you think is like, oh, my nine-year-old's super into puppets or my eight-year-old is going on 30. Like you can choose which one feels the best for your child. But we're all over social media at Ziva Meditation. And then our website is zivameditation.com and the code will be AWT for 15% off. Oh, this is absolutely wonderful. Thank you so much, Emily. I mean, it's been an honor to have you here again today. Thank you for having me. I'm I'm excited for more adventures. You seem more radiant and more grounded and more kind than ever, which is really saying something. Aw, thank you, my love. I appreciate that. That was a great conversation that I had with Emily Fletcher, who is the founder of Ziva Meditation. I'm really excited that she's been, she is such a a person who is creating a shift in the paradigm for teaching over 40,000 people the skill of meditation worldwide. And she's been speaking on platforms and really helping us get back to the basics of how it is for us to connect to ourselves and how it means that we can connect to other people, you know, and now that she's creating this for children, I think it's really important, but you know, it's that, it's that whole feeling, you know, in the beginning where you have this idea that comes from spirit and the, the idea is, you know, spirit is saying, okay, you know, people are telling her over and over through people, 
which I always say is the synchronicity, right? Is that spirit will speak through other people to get to you because you're not listening to the message directly. And it was, you know, teach kids meditation. And she's like, what? I don't even know what to, where to start. I'm not this, you know, person who does that. You know, that's, that's not, you know, in her playbook, as we would say, of like the things that she saw herself doing. And it's a funny thing because we never really see or know exactly what it is we are to do until we answer the call. And we answer the call by really just being open and available to it. And so that idea of her teaching kids and then realizing, you know, that, wait a second, now I have a son and I'm witnessing my son going through a lot of turmoil and emotional experiences and pain and uncomfortableness and suffering. And I want to make his suffering better. I want to take out his pain. I want to help him, right? And sometimes we need something to motivate us into that call that is being asked of us to step into so gracefully if we just accept and hear where spirit is guiding us. And it's always in the place where we feel most uncomfortable, right? So we always know that when we feel most uncomfortable, that is the place where spirit is calling us and asking us to step in and be able to hold into that space so that we're able to move um, gracefully with our path that we open up with more love and amplification on the world. And that being said, her being able to see that and then realizing, wait a second, my son is my heart living outside of my body and I can feel the pain and the hurt that he's going through. And so perhaps me actually taking on this idea of creating something for him that will support all other children. And, you know, and for her teaming up with, you know, Sesame Street and Dr. Shivali, you know, who um, definitely does a lot of stuff with Oprah and all these beautiful other souls, right? to teach kids how to get into a space of holding their own authentic self because it's really important for kids to do that because there's so much media and there's so much TV and so much manipulation out there, you know, wanting to capture kids at a very young age and guide them towards, you know, a certain way of being and a certain way of experiencing the world. You know, like for instance, you know, I see a lot of kids these days playing these video games where they have to keep buying all these mods and buying all of these extra things. And they, and what it is, and they give it to the kids free, which I think is very interesting. They give the game to the kids free with the idea that knowing that games don't cost that much money anyway on these, you know, these smartphones and on these iPads and on these, you know, different types of, um, you know, platforms. And then what they do is while you're in the game, they make it so hard that to get to the next level, you have to buy all these mods and all these different things to be able to get the coins and different things. And what they're basically doing is prepping our children to become gamblers because the kids then all of a sudden start spending an excruciating amount of money that is not going towards anything that's really beneficial for them, like buying them a bike or getting them into some type of, you know, course where they can learn how to take on some kind of skill or some kind of language or something that would benefit their life in a bigger way. They're just spending money on things that are on the computer or on their video game that literally is going to be just for them to get to another level or to get to a certain place in the game. And what it's doing is it's rewarding them by them getting to that level the same way people feel rewarded when they're sitting in a casino and they finally hit jackpot and the coins come out because it gives them coins in the game, but it's not real money. It's 
fake digital money that's not really used for anything other than buying more things to play more games, to make more coins, to play more games. And I think this level of, of being instructed, it's destructive to our children. It's, it's it, you know, it really, really starts programming our children to be gamblers and to find gambling addictions fun and anything that has an addiction to, to hold on to it. And so I think, you know, we, it's really our responsibility to start finding ways to teach our kids how to step into their authentic self and to be able to feel their process. You know, a lot of times parents will see kids crying and they'll tell them to stop crying or kids get angry and they'll tell the kids, okay, you stop getting angry now. I've had enough. Instead of being there and holding that, that container, that space for their kids so that they can move through those situations with more ease and grace, as Emily so pointed out, because the whole idea is being able to get kids to feel safe to go through their processes so they are you know, being restrictive and held back from being able to see what is something they have to experience in order to develop themselves in a much more authentic and loving way in the way they interact with themselves, with others, and in society. And so the understanding of that is, is to go through the process, right? To be able to ride those emotions without feeling that you're a bad person or being shamed for it or being shut down from it, but being able to process them so that they're able to move through and be able to move through it, which is a lot of emotional intelligence there. Because a lot of people don't realize that emotional intelligence, the reason why people suffer so much on earth is because they don't have emotional intelligence. They don't have the understanding to be able to feel those emotions and let those emotions move through them without feeling that they have to stop the process, limit the process, Process, or even feel bad about even going to begin the process, right? And so I love the whole idea that, you know, she gave me about how this Ziva meditation for kids, right? For the Ziva kids has had some great success stories, you know? She talked about the woman who said that her son hasn't slept in his bed for nine years. And then three days, you know, after doing the, the Ziva course, you know, he had slept in his bed on his own with no nightmares and no stress. That's huge. I think that's very huge because I, I have a lot of people who come to me who are like, my kids are sleeping in their room. They're always sleeping in the bed with me and my husband or they sleep on the floor on the mattress next to the bed. And, you know, I don't know what to do, Shaman Durek. And a lot of it comes from kids feeling high levels of anxiety. Those anxieties turn into nightmares. They turn into stress uh, markers that actually makes kids' neurological system malfunction and start thinking of all the worst case scenarios. And those things do play out when they sleep at night. And so it's very, very important for us to be able to create ways for our kids to be able to degress and to decompress and to really get rid of a lot of that, that energy that's causing them a lot of difficulty. And I think the more we begin to step into that space of realizing that the reason why they're going through that to begin with is because they're being inundated by so many things being thrown at them. And on top of the school, on top of their friends, on top of the video games and all the other things that are happening in their environment. And of course, gambling games that kids are getting into and so forth. These things do actually show up and play a role in how kids are being able to respond to stress and anxiety and anything that they feel that they have to hold on to because they feel bad that they shouldn't be feeling this way to begin with, right? And so I think that the more we can start helping our children begin to interact in nature and more we get them to interact in meditation or interact in, in more self-care, 
right? Instead of just getting them hooked on their, you know, external screens, right? For self-referral, but being able to really get into a space of finding that self-referral within themselves. I think that's going to open up and unlock their superpowers, as Emily Fletcher so mentioned, right? Because right now is an extraordinary time. And we have to understand too, that it's been challenging for a lot of parents because a lot of parents are working, they're in survival mode. You know, they don't have a place for their kids because they got locked down, they're going through a lot. And so of course they have to keep their kids on these devices so they can at least have some kind of time for themselves. And so I'm not here to make parents feel bad. And I love what Emily said about that because we're not here to to shame you for putting your kids on internal screens right now with everything that's happening in the world. But what I am saying to you is to just be mindful of how much are they on those screens and if there's other ways that we can facilitate other types of avenues for them to be utilizing ways to build more of their self-care and unlock those superpowers that we so mentioned so that they're able to recognize, you know, how powerful they are. Because again, look, the science is in, as Emily said, right? Uh, Screens do affect your pineal gland and it does not assist your brain in full development if you're constantly being on, on these screens. But it's another thing to realize that children become so addicted within the first hour to their technology that if you do take it away, they get very violent and angry and upset and feel like you're doing something wrong to them, that you've crossed the line. And some kids will even throw temper tantrums or slam doors and freak out and fight with you because they have built a lot of their feelings and emotions into these technologies. And where we need to get our kids' emotions and feelings are into resourcing themselves as better individuals through meditation and breathing exercises and shamanism and so many other things that we can do. And when I say shamanism, I mean I mean spirit hacking, learning how to be a spirit hacker, teaching them how to be able to access the very things that the Liddy Committee is doing. So they become the itsy bitsy Liddy Committee and begin to develop and grow so that they are able to step into a bigger place. And I do really love the conversation that we had about you know, that making this available to all social groups, you know, to the melanated community and all people of brown and darker skin colors and um, tones in their skin. So when I was growing up as a kid, you know, when I would look at what's on television and so forth, I would always see lighter skinned people. I never saw anyone that had darker complexion such as myself. And that caused me to go into a lot of depression because I felt like the toys that I was playing with was always lighter skin. It was nothing that reflected me. And a lot of my friends also had the same feelings. And it made me feel like this world wasn't accepting of me or there was no place for me. So I'm really glad we had the conversation and talking about how, you know, a lot of this was, as she said, and I'm going to use her words, is for the white rich woman who's the vegan who does yoga and wants her kid to have this type of, you know, capability when there's so many other mothers of darker skin and brown skin who are able to bring that to their children as well. And I think we need to, when we create any type of product or anything that we think that's out there that's supporting people that we keep in mind that there's many groups of people from all walks of life and everyone should feel included. I think all inclusiveness is so important, you know, to really creating a global change on our planet. And I'm so glad that she is, you know, stepping into that space. You know, of course I had to bring that up because you know me, I'm all about bringing equality to the front of the table as a discussion for how we're going to really up, you know, up change 
the global atmosphere to being more accepting of all colors and races, sizes, shapes, and beliefs versus it just being one um, availability, which brings me back to my childhood. So for me to be able to, to see the, you know, the upchange, which is, you know, going up and seeing the change that is possible, I'm glad that she spoke on it so eloquently and was able to express the things that they're doing to make that possible so that we are not beholden to only one form and that parents who kids get to get this amazing way of resourcefulness through Ziva Kids isn't just for people of lighter skin, but it's for everyone, you know? And so that those, so every kid gets to grow up and build that self-care, that understanding of resourcefulness within themselves and the sense of authenticity and awareness so that they're able to make choices in whatever endeavor they choose or whatever they choose to do in their life. They're making conscious choices that are changing their lives for the better. So I'm really glad that we had a chance to talk about that. And overall, I really enjoyed this conversation and learning more about Emily Fetcher's new Kids Ziva and talking about children and really getting into all these different levels. I mean, for me, I've always worked with children. Or should I say I always loved with children since I was young. You know, I was a gymnastics coach for kids ages three to 12. I also did Montessori stuff. And I also, you know, um, did after school programs. And I built my own theater at my home for kids in the neighborhood to perform. I was also part of Turning the Wheel for, which was a dance way for children to express themselves through creating boundaries and understanding how to connect with other children and tell their stories of their emotions through movement and dance. So for me, I've always been involved in something that has to do with children. And I love children so much. And I always want to see them being able to feel free and express themselves without any restraints and also to feel that they can thrive through anything that happens on planet Earth and create a new generation of adults that are able to handle what's going on from a loving and from a direct place of authenticity, but also from a place of wisdom and understanding of unconditional love for all life and all forms. So I'm just happy to have her on Ancient Wisdom Today podcast. I know that you enjoyed the conversation as much as I did, and I love you all so much. And I look forward to our next share on Ancient Wisdom today. Until next time, I love you. I've created the Healing Temple because people all over the world want and need healing but don't have the access to those healers or can't afford them. One of the biggest high-ticket items in the world today is remote healing, but some sessions cost hundreds to even thousands of dollars. And for only $10, the Healing Temple is a collective space for people to come together every Friday for 30 minutes. Participants are opening a wellspring of abilities, alleviating stress and brain fog, where the mind becomes more optimized and performance-based and where you learn to utilize energy to up-level your consciousness. The Healing Temple also helps to break down walls where you begin operating in awareness of wellness, feeling ambitious and inspired like things are really changing in your life. Inside the Healing Temple, you're also stepping into a world where you might experience phenomenons that you thought wasn't possible. 
something as small as a chill or the hair standing on the back of your neck becomes like an opening door. Some members have even said they've experienced increased psychic abilities and that these sensations have intensified with following sessions. I've trained my powers to impact change and I've learned how to get results. Who doesn't want to feel good? The Healing Temple is not only beneficial to you, but also to those around you. Because when you're feeling good, you shine that positive energy onto others. Your partner, your children, co-workers, even your dog or your cat. Everyone around you begins to feel better because you are feeling better. It's a rippling effect that's much needed on this planet. We need the Healing Temple more than ever right now because of all that's happening in the world, the social political structures, calamities, chaos, and feelings of hopelessness and despair. The social climate is on high and this pressure cooker is taking a negative toll on how many of us feel. The Healing Temple offers comfort on a global level because when more people are feeling good, the more kindness, generosity, and realness is generated. For only $10, I invite you to become part of the community that seeks to do good, to feel good, and to make this world a better place. Go to shamandurek.com and click the Healing Temple to join our wellspring of healing, restoration, and elevated consciousness. See you in the temple. Thank you so much for tuning in to Ancient Wisdom Today podcast. Tribe, I love you all so much. And if you want to stay connected, be sure to check me out on IG at Shaman Durek. And if you have any questions whatsoever, please visit shamandurek.com or contact info at shamandurek.com to learn more. And remember, tribe, no matter what, stay lit. <laughs>